Don't mind your business, mind my podcast, Mind Elixir. Hello and welcome to or back to my podcast, Mind Elixir. If you do not already know me, then hi, I'm Ayoka and I make content on my podcast as well as on other platforms that centers around social issues, personal growth, inspiration, and other related things that I think teens like me find interesting. So today I'm going to be chatting about something that I've recently become very passionate about, which is reading and books. I'll be talking about how to get out of a reading slump as well as a few books that I've read this year too. But before we get into the episode, make sure to follow me on all of my socials, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, YouTube, you know, the whole bunch of them, and also Goodreads, because of course, this is an episode about books and like Goodreads is basically social media for books. I guess it's kind of a a weird sort of app. At first, I was kind of very confused on how to use it and all of that. But then I got used to it. So if you friend me on Goodreads, I'll friend you back, I guess. Yeah. And I actually have something planned for my Instagram at mind.elixir, at mindelixir.podcast. I don't even know my own Instagram. But yeah, at mindelixir.podcast, I actually have this challenge, challenge plan that I'm going to be doing soon. So stay tuned for that and make sure to follow me if you want to participate because I'm actually kind of excited. I've really been wanting to do more things that involve actually interacting with the people that follow me and my audience because you know like where I I want it to actually feel like a community and not just like I'm screaming into a void of space and like just talking to myself I mean I guess that is what I do with this podcast but I also want like you know input from other people feedback and stuff like that and speaking of feedback make sure to leave a review or um, a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or if you're on YouTube, you can let me know in the comments or DM me on Instagram, message me or email me, any of that. And yeah, let's get into this episode. So basically I used to be really into reading whenever I was younger, like middle school, elementary school, all of that, all the way up to until um, I would say around seventh grade. And I feel like most people can probably relate to this too, because I've heard so many other people say that, oh my gosh, I used to be so into reading. And yeah, I was literally that person. And I even remember that I had these sort of, I, me and my sister, we used to do this thing and where it was called a 50 and 100 book challenge, where basically we would try to read 50 or 100 books in like whatever time span. And then at the end of it, we'd get a prize and we would have these Lisa Frank notebooks. I believe it was a Lisa Frank notebook, but I don't know. It was just a cute animal notebook with like stickers and stuff like that. Speaking of Lisa Frank, her stickers are so cute. And now I want some. Now I kind of want to collect some stickers. I need to stay on topic. But anyway, we had a notebook and we would do these 100 book challenges. And that was so much fun. And I would just read a bunch of series like just consecutively and all of that and I think everyone has their one childhood book or a series that they used to read a lot whenever they were younger for me it was Wings of Fire which are these um stories about dragons I guess I still haven't even finished it because they actually haven't even finished the series for that book 
And then also there's this one fairy series about a bunch of different fairies and then two girls. I think their name was, their names were Rachel and Christy that had to try and defeat the goblins and defend and protect the fairies. I don't even remember the name of the series, but I do remember that I used to love reading it. But then around seventh grade, I fell, just fell into this like state of non-reading of I would just like occupy my time with other stuff and I would just stopped reading basically stopped reading for enjoyment and over quarantine you think that oh my gosh we have all of this time we're laying around literally like at home cooped up in the house you think that oh maybe you take this opportunity to read but nope not me I barely even read at all over quarantine but then I think around the end of quarantine, maybe last year, yeah, last year in 2021, I decided that I wanted to start reading again because I kept seeing all these cool TikToks and all this book inspiration and stuff like that online. And also it was kind of like people were romanticizing reading, if that makes sense. I guess anything can be romanticized and then it makes me more tempted to do it. Like if you romanticize studying or romanticize cleaning your room, like the silliest things can be made romantic, I guess you could call it. But yeah, I saw a lot of people posting about reading and they were like, hot people read. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need to get back into reading. And also there were these books, really popular books that people were talking about and I wanted to read them. And then I also found my book list and I was like, I need to do that. So now I'm like basically out of my reading slump and I wanted to talk about if how to get out of a reading slump or how to get back into reading if you're like me. So the first thing I would say is to make, actually make a book list, a to be read list, and just fill it with a bunch of books that actually excite you. These can be old favorites, you know, books that you maybe liked whenever you were younger. And I also suggest series just because those are, those are like, um, a continual thing, continual thing that you can keep up with and then also short fast paced and attention grabbing books if you're just getting back into reading because I feel like if you're just getting back into reading you wouldn't want to read some long boring book that'd make you like not want to read ever again at all so yeah and honestly just put put whatever books on your list uh for book inspiration I usually just look on TikTok at these book talk book talkers and also I downloaded Goodreads and I followed a few people on there so that was fun and then I also even actually made a notion page where I had a bunch of books listed out that I wanted to read and sometimes I'll just go to the public library and write down the names of books that I like and I want to check out or reserve for later. And something about reading is you need to make sure you're not trying to force yourself to read books that you don't think that you're going to like. Like, just because the book is popular or whatever, or just because you see a bunch of people talking about it, that doesn't mean you need to try and force yourself to read it. Like, if you start reading a book and you don't like it, honestly, just give it give it up. Like, there's this book I'm reading right now, and it's called... um well that's awkward I think well that was awkward but I'm just not vibing with that book and I'm seriously thinking about just returning it back to the library because I don't even like it that much but you know 
make I'm not saying you should always give up on reading books, but if you feel like you're just stuck on that book, then like don't be afraid to put it back. Don't be afraid to put it away. That's what I'm trying to say. But also at the same time, don't be afraid to try and read out of your reading comfort zone. If that even makes sense. Does anything I say make sense? I don't know. I'm just talking here. The next thing is to actually get a library card or an online library membership because I know some people they may buy books but I personally I like to get books from my school library and uh, like just have the physical book or even if you're that kind of person you can get audiobooks because some people they don't consider audiobooks real reading but I think that's stupid because it's still a book it's just an audio form. And then there's also online PDFs for books on some shady book websites too. And also ebooks because there's this one app, I think Libby, that's connected to the public library and you can read the book from there. And something that I've found with ebooks is this might just be like, I don't know, a perception thing, but I feel like I read ebooks a lot faster than I do with regular books. And with regular books, I'll oftentimes I'll just fall asleep while reading them whenever I try to read them whenever it's near the night or like near bedtime. I usually fall asleep, but with ebooks I don't. And I think that's probably just because I spend so much time on my phone and yeah, like my time reading used to be replaced like I think a main reason that I stopped reading was because I was spending so much time on my phone, on social media, you know, YouTube stuff like that, playing games on my phone and technology. But now that if I want to read a book and I have it on my phone in ebook version, then it's like I'm still using my phone, but I'm using it for something else. And I kind of like that. So I don't know, whatever form of book you like best, you don't always need to buy book, buy a bunch of books. So yeah. And the next thing I would suggest is to actually join a book club Personally, I joined this one black girl book club that I found on TikTok and I'm loving it. The book that, and I think that actually having people around you that are also reading, you're kind of encouraged to read with them. And it's kind of great to have that community of people that are reading a similar book that you can discuss your interest with, that you can get other book recommendations from. And then also I joined my school book club. The book that we read recently was They Both Die at the End. I actually already read that. And now we're going to start reading Cinderella is Dead. And I think that's really cool. Or even if you don't wanna join a book club, you can just have a reading buddy because it's nice to have someone to kind of keep you accountable and that you can discuss all the little bits of the book with. I think that's really fun. I would kind of want a reading buddy. That sounds cool, but I don't. But I have free book clubs that I'm in, so that's nice. The next thing is to actually set a small amount of time aside every day to just read and consciously choose reading over doing other stuff. Because if you think about it, all the all of that time, like this might just be for me, but it might apply to other people too. I don't know. All of that time that you spend doing other stuff, let's say all of the time that you spend on Instagram, look at your Instagram screen time. Is it an hour, two hours? You could be spending that time doing other stuff. Like if you just try to even spend half of that time maybe reading, then you could actually get more into reading. 
or maybe you're spending a lot of your time um I don't really have any other examples maybe you're spending a lot of your time playing a game or something or cleaning up your room or doing other stuff I'm not saying like you should put off your responsibilities but just try to set aside a little bit of time each day to read even if it's just five minutes or two minutes or even just a few pages it doesn't even have to be by time and I also try to usually read earlier during the day because for me, if I read at night, I get really sleepy and I fall asleep while I'm reading the book and then like there's no point in it. So yeah, but honestly, I would say don't focus on how many pages you've read or just compare like how much you read to someone else because we all read at different speeds and that's all right. Like just enjoy the experience of reading. Now, let's get into the actual part that you probably came here for, the book recommendations. Okay, I had to take a break because I needed some water. Also, I'm kind of getting very annoyed because there are some loud cars outside and I'm probably going to listen back to this and hear some loud truck in the background going past and like I can't really edit that part out if I'm talking while you hear the sound in the background because it's not like they're on separate tracks or anything but here we are that's fine like you know it's not gonna be perfect but let's actually get into the book recommendation part and at first I was actually thinking of talking about all of the books that I've read this year which would be around I think 26 or 25 and the thing is that I'm so surprised that I've actually read that many books this year because I did not expect it and my goal for this year for the amount of books that I'm trying to read was is currently 30 but at the beginning of the year I remember I had set it all the way down to something around 15 books so the fact that I'm already at 25 is actually pretty cool instead I'm just going to be talking about 10 books that I've read this year of various genres that I've liked and also disliked and also, trust me, these aren't just the same 10 books that you hear on every single YA book recommendation TikTok, although there is nothing wrong with liking popular books. And I've actually really been wanting to read that one book by Colin Hoover over, I don't know, please don't attack me if I butcher these names, but that one book, I forgot the name of it, but it's the one with the flower on the front cover. You probably know what I'm talking about by Colleen Hoover, I don't know. Also, make sure to actually check out the trigger warnings or anything like that for these books if you think that you will need that because some of the topics that will be mentioned in these books are stuff like, is stuff like fat phobia, mental illness, sexual assault. And it's not like they necessarily go into a bunch of depth about these topics or that it's super triggering. But at the same time, I don't know what's going to trigger you. So just like, I don't know, check it out. Check out the trigger warnings if you need that. And I'll also be giving my own synopsis slash summary. I never really know the difference between a synopsis and summary. I always thought that a summary meant you actually talk about the whole entire book and that a synopsis was just a preview. So I guess I'll call it a synopsis. The synopsis is actually something that I wrote myself because at first I was thinking about just looking up a summary off of Google, 
But if you wanted to do that, then you could just go on Google yourself. Like, there's obviously a reason you're listening to this episode. So yeah, but it's not going to be a perfect summary or anything like that. And yeah, these are actually summaries that I, I had wrote whenever I was reading the books. And I just wrote it on my Notion page because I have this Notion page where I keep a bunch of the books that I'm reading. I'm not the best at updating it or keeping it that detailed though. So if you hear me pausing, that's probably why. And yeah, let's get started. The first book that I would like to recommend is Words on Bathroom Walls by Julia Walton. If you don't know about schizophrenia, it's basically just this mental condition where the individual has hallucinations and abnormal thinking and thoughts, and they actually think that these thoughts are genuinely real. So it can really impact the way they see the world around them and the things they do. And this book is about a high school dude. He has schizophrenia and his name is Adam. He actually recently started on a new test experimental medication for a drug trial. He's also going to therapy since he's non and since he's nonverbal with his therapist, the story is written in a journal-like way. As in he writes about his thoughts and what's occurring in his life to his therapist. So basically the writing is directed at us, the reader as though we are the therapist, kind of, which sounds really weird, but promise me, I really like this book. And right now, Adam, he's transferred to a new high school, and he's really just trying to make sure to keep his schizophrenia a secret because of it, of an incident that happened at his last school. And now he meets this girl, Maya, so there's a bit of romance in there, sprinkled in there. And he honestly just wants a regular high school experience. And with this book, I loved how blunt and funny Adam was. And it just felt like those were his raw thoughts. And it was like humorous, like he was kind of finding humor in his suffering without necessarily just sugarcoating it into all sunshines and rainbows. I really like this book. I feel like I'm giving a... A, like a confusing summary confusing description but promise me this book was really good and I just think that he's genuinely scared of what people will think if they find out about his illness because he understands how people with his type of condition can be viewed and I think this can kind of relate to the real world because sometimes people always talk about taking away the mental health or me mental illness stigma but are they actually doing something, to, anything to take it away? I don't know. Also, I don't know if this book is actually like a 100% accurate portrayal of schizophrenia. So if it isn't, then oh well. Because I don't know. But I liked it and it didn't, I don't think it was like bad or anything like that. Like they had an offensive portrayal. Because I'm pretty sure the doc, the not the doctor, the author said that they researched it well. And there was one piece from the book where the character actually compared the voices voices in his head. And he said that how he kind of wished he could be like Harry Potter because the voices that Harry Potter heard in his head turned out to be real. Because, you know, Harry Potter hearing voices, they turned out to be in the wall and all that. And I thought that was an interesting comparison. I really appreciated how positive his relationship with his girlfriend Maya was, 
Although technically keeping schizophrenia, like a huge mental condition that he has going on, keeping that from her could be considered kind of bad, but really like the book overall. And I give it a five out of five rating. The next book is actually two books. Well, yeah, it's part of a trilogy. It's Scythe and Thunderhead by Neil Shusterman. And I actually read these two books at the same time because I had read Scythe in middle school, but then I didn't really remember what it was about whenever I decided that I wanted to read Thunderhead, which is the second book. I started reading that. And then I was like, oh no, I should go back and read the first book. And then I just ended up reading them at the same time. And that worked out. Was that the best idea? I don't know, but it worked out for me. So yeah. And the synopsis of this book is, centuries into the future, humans have surpassed death. They are immortal and all which would kill humans from the age of mortality, disease, age, physical or bodily harm has been overcome, excluding death by fire. Some people, known as splatters, jump off buildings for the thrill of it and will instantaneously be brought to revival centers to be healed, allowing them to resume their normal lives within three business days. The full collection of human data, knowledge, and information in the cloud has developed into a consciousness, creating a perfect and omniscient leader known as the Thunderhead. The Thunderhead has stopped all wars, climate change, brought animals back from extinction, and pretty much created a perfect society. Unless... The Thunderhead is always watching, but this isn't a story of a corrupt machine. It's about the corruption of the Scythedom. So... To remedy the fact that humans can literally no longer die like a permanent death anymore, the Scythedom was created, and a Scythe's job is to glean or kill a portion of people in order to minimize the population that has just, you know, exponentially grown. And of course, these Scythes have to take on and train new people to be the Scythes. Which brings us to the apprentices and main characters of the score story. First, we have Citra Terranova. She is a competitive and driven girl. She's curious and she has a really strong bond with her family. And then there's also Rowan Damish. I don't know how to pronounce that last name. But yeah, he's an empathetic boy that usually keeps to himself. He's also a middle child and he calls himself the lettuce of the family because he feels as though he adds nothing significant to his family and he's just like there being observant and quiet. And I thought that was like, I kind of liked that comparison of calling himself the lettuce, calling himself the lettuce of the family. Because if you think about it, lettuce, we add it to sandwiches, we add it to whatever but does lettuce actually have any nutritional value? Does it actually add anything to a sandwich? No, it's basically just like crunchy water in a vegetable skin. <laughs> I don't even know if that makes sense. But yeah, I thought that was an interesting comparison. The lettuce of the family. And going back to what I was talking about, the two apprentices. Apprentices. Both of them are in their teens and neither wants to be a scythe. I mean, like, who actually wants to kill people, right? And the scythedom is governed not actually by the benevolent Thunderhead, but by Ten Commandments. And as history has shown, 
humans aren't necessarily all that fair and benevolent when it comes to making rules because especially if these rules like they literally they literally require deciding who lives and who dies and that's all read the book to find out more and this story i really like how it just it just talks about themes of death and something that i was thinking about was the idea that is it the pain in life that makes the good moments and the positive moments and the joyful moments all that much more meaningful and impactful to people? Because basically these people in the book, they don't really have to be afraid of death. Everything is there for them. They have all the knowledge at their fingertips with this thunderhead. They don't really have much to be afraid of. And it's just like they're going about their day. Everything is perfect. There's no crime, nothing like that. So I was thinking about that. I was like, hmm. And I actually wrote this down. I don't even know what I was thinking, but I was I wrote down that the Scythedom, they should have a motto of another day, another slave. Period. If you do not know, that's basically just me making a TikTok reference. There's this one girl, she said, another day, another slave. And it kind of made me think of this book because of the gleaning of people. And yeah, I rate this book a 5 out of 5. I think it was an amazing science fiction book. Well, the first and second book. I think those were amazing science fiction books. And they weren't super technical, like, you know, using all of this weird technical stuff that I can't understand, talking about technology and all that. No, they didn't have any of that. And also, like I said before, it's part of a trilogy, so I actually don't even know if I'm going to like the third book because I haven't read it yet read it yet but I'm hoping I expect that I will enjoy it and this next book was actually pretty popular on TikTok and I went to this one book event with the author there and I got to hear her speak about her writing process as well as her upcoming book the book is drumroll please The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab so, this book, the synopsis. Adeline LaRue has been cursed to walk the earth forever, unable to leave a mark. Every single person that she meets forgets her, which makes her essentially invisible, hence the title of the book. All the way back in the 1700s, I think, she made a deal with the darkness, which is basically just the devil in this book, in order to escape an unwanted marriage. And the results of this deal left her with her invisibility and it's been like this forever and she's convinced that it will stay that way until she meets Henry. Henry is the only person that she's ever met in her entire life that's actually remembered her and this book flips between current scenes as well as a sort of timeline of her life and experiences back then before in the 17 1800s 1900s and 2000s too. Yeah. And I really think that this is just such an enchanting book. And of course, there's a sprinkle of romance if you're into that. Oh, but the author's word choice. Whenever I say ench enchanting, I just mean that it's really magical. I don't even know if what I'm saying makes sense. I feel like I'm giving such... um confusing book reviews because this is my first episode where I'm actually just talking about books in depth 
you know a book is good whenever you actually actively choose to read it over doing other stuff like this book the invisible life of Addie larue i was reading this whenever i was eating my dinner i was reading this instead of doing my homework which is kind of problematic but we don't care and i read it so fast i read it in four days which may not seem like that fast but it was around 400 500 400 pages i think and usually i read like 20 pages per day so to read that in four days is a really fast for me a lot for me and there were a whole bunch of quotes from this book that I really liked and one that I really took note of is this one a year she spent bound within the prism of this deal forced to suffer but not to die starve but not waste want but not wither every moment pressed into her own memory, while she herself slips out of the minds of others with the slightest push, erased by a closing door, an instant out of sight, a moment of sleep, unable to leave a mark on anyone or anything. And I think that this quote really just encapsulates what the whole entire story is about and what Addie LaRue's whole entire life has been like for these centuries. And the writing style of this book, I just think it's so beautiful. And I really like the parallel structure, kind of, that this quote had in it, which is why I chose to put it in this episode. So yeah, I recommend reading this book. This next book is a bit old. And by old, I basically just mean that it's not from 2020s. It gives me 1900s classics vibes. It is called Herland by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. Also, by the way, I'll be writing down, not writing down, but in the episode description or something like that, I'll just list out the books in case so that you don't have to like scroll through the episode and try to, in case you don't know how to spell the title or, or anything like that. But anyway, for the synopsis, I want you to imagine a whole entire country that's existed for 2000 years hidden with not a single man, only woman. That's exactly what her land is about. These three men hear about this land and they're like, okay, what? No way. No way. How could these women, these feeble women, live by themselves without anybody discovering them? And the three men, each of them, they, I think that they're supposed to represent a stereotype or a type of man within society. First off, we have Terry. He's basically your average misogynist, and he is ready to conquer the woman of her land, as well as their wombs and uteruses, or whatever you call that. I don't know. He's ready to conquer her land and the woman within her land. And he just he basically just sees the woman as a sexual conquest and like he can't comprehend the fact that they have their own thriving, surviving and flourishing menless society. And then also we have Jeff. He basically just sees the woman as pure angels, you know. Hallelujah. Oh, that is not how you say it. Please do not listen to my singing. But he basically just sees the woman as pure angels, you know, incapable of doing anything wrong, capable of doing no wrong. And 
wholesome, sweet people. And then the one whose point of view that this book actually takes place from is Van. And he's supposed to be the thinker of the group since he's a sociologist and he's apparently more open to learning about these women in her land and their ways and their culture and all of that. So the story, it just follows these men as they literally toddle around in awe and shock at every single, the slightest, slightest littlest thing as they realize like how different these women's world is and the women of her land, they have this sort of honest curiosity whenever they meet the men because they want to know about the outside world. They actually call it the bisexual race, meaning the, I guess that means the two sexes. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's what it means, duh. And through their questions that they ask the men, they, because they're asking the men, hey, what's this? What's it like in the world? They actually begin, the men actually be, themselves, they begin to wonder about the impracticalities and the misogyny of certain customs within their own world, which is the outside world. Also our world too. And yeah, I thought that, that part was pretty interesting because it did have a few interesting feminist concepts in it that I was like, oh, let me write that down. Let me take note of that. But let's talk about my thoughts for this book because I have quite a few things to say. So the concept of the book, whenever I heard about it, I was just like, yes, I need to read this immediately. I saw it on some Goodreads list and, I'll, and I just added it to my to be read immediately because I've really been wanting to read some woman-based fix fiction. I don't think that's what this genre would be called. Um, feminist fiction, I think. I don't know. But yeah, I've really been wanting to read some books like that. And also, I actually remember that I saw this one booktuber, this one guy on booktube on YouTube, recommend the book The Yellow Wallpaper, which I think is basically just about a woman that becomes mentally unstable because she's kept in isolation and this book the yellow wallpaper it was by the same author charlotte perkins gilman or whatever her name is i was like oh if he recommends this book of hers then this other book is probably going to be good too but we have to take into account that this book was technically written by a white woman in the 1915s, 1915s, 1900s, early 1900s. And as you know how they are, Susan B. Anthony type beats, racism, all of that. I did expect this book to possibly have some racist or bioessentialist or transphobic or white supremacy elements to it. And it kind of did a little bit, which I will explain. One thing is that um that kind of like relates to this is the fact that the main character that was supposedly supposed to be smart and open to learning, you know, like I said before, Van, he kept referring to the indigenous people that lived in the I guess I I guess I assume that it's the forest outside of her land. He kept referring to them in a way that was kind of derogatory. And I was like, hmm, what? I don't know. Maybe it isn't necessarily derogatory to refer to them. 
like that. But I was kind of suspicious and confused about that. But also, I couldn't even understand half of the things in this book. I understood it, but also it was just kind of difficult to read because, you know, they have a different writing style back then and versus now. And it's just that language barrier, not necessarily language barrier. Maybe it'd just be like a time barrier. The text also actually mentioned that there was a period of negative eugenics that the woman took part in. And I'm not really sure what like what the negative eugenics like who it was actually against but you know if someone says eugenics what do you think of i for one think of nazis and like the holocaust and then also like forced sterilization of indigenous women removal of people of black women's uteruses and all of that so whenever someone says eugenics i'm like hmm that does not sound like a good thing and the fact that the woman in this book, they did some sort of eugenics was also very questionable. Hmm. It also annoyed me how basically everything in these women's lives just revolved around the ability to give birth and motherhood. Like, okay, we get it. You have babies. You love your babies. We get it. And, but I guess that is kind of also true for the real world because a bunch of people will always ask women, like whenever they get married, they'll ask the woman, when are you going to get pregnant? Are you planning on having kids? This and that. So I guess that's kind of related, but also the woman in her land, they like took it to the extreme. They were so dramatic about it. I was like, okay, okay. But I did really like some of the points that the woman in the country made though there was this one quote that the narrator van said that really hit me he said this led me very promptly to the conviction that these feminine charms we are so fond of are not feminine at all but mere reflected masculinity developed to please us because they had to please us and in no way essential to the real fulfillment of their great process and i honestly kind of think that it's true because some people, myself included, are always so worried about like what's considered masculine and what's considered feminine. But in reality, so much of what's considered feminine and acceptable for a woman is really just shaped by the male gaze and male desire. And it's just about conforming to patriarchal standards. And I do not like that. It also goes along with how some people will just say that you have, some people will be like, oh my gosh, you have feminine energy you have masculine energy everybody has a balance of feminine and masculine within them which I honestly think is for lack of a better word like so stupid because really the whole time they're talking about feminine energy it's really just about making yourself small and dainty and submissive and being afraid to take up space and then they'll say you have to be masculine in mind as in strong-minded or strong-willed and like bold or something like that and that's like so silly I'm like what I just have to roll my eyes of the eyes at that and another thing is that people think that the absence of femininity just means that someone's masculine but really I just think people should sh people myself included should just stop categorizing everything into feminine and masculine and just being so obsessed with those labels 
but I really don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Like even obviously I still refer to things as feminine and masculine. But yeah, this book was okay, but also it was very terribly boring at the same time. It had a few good points, but also, I don't know. I wouldn't really, I would, I guess I would recommend you, if you are interested in it, just be critical and take into account the time period and other elements about it. And yeah, the next book that I have to say is The Violent Conspiracy by Brendan Slocum. I read this as an audiobook because audiobooks are cool. So there's this boy, Ray McMillan. He's a black violinist that came from humble beginnings and he's faced a lot of racism within the classical music world and even his own mother disapproves of his passion for the violin. But he won't let that stop him from doing what he does best, which is the violin, making music and pursuing his passion. He soon becomes so great at playing the violin that he's able to make it into this world-renowned competition, which I think was called the Tchaikovsky competition. But then his violin gets mysteriously stolen, hence the violin conspiracy part, I guess. For this book, I had high expectations. The cover had this black guy peeking through the violin in the little, I don't know what it's called, but li the little S holes. I should know this because I used to play the violin. But the little holes that are on the body of the violin, it showed him peeking through it. And not gonna lie, mystery books kind of scare me, but this one looked interesting. And it is a fairly recent book. I believe it actually came out this year. And I was like, ooh, an anticipated, highly anticipated read. Let me, let me reserve this and get to it, you know? And I was actually even looking at the book and thinking, hmm, maybe I should start violin again. Maybe this book will inspire me to start violin again, which it didn't. But yeah. And I think it touched on a really important topic with racism within the classical music world because I think racism within the classical music world is something that I've never really thought much about so I liked how the, it showed the main character Ray's experience with that and I think someone said that the author probably related to the character as well so maybe the author had the character like based off of themselves I don't know but the thing is, I thought this book was actually going to be a mystery or suspense book, more specifically suspense, just because of the way that it was marketed. Instead, we have to hear about this guy getting his violin stolen, and then we're literally thrown back, tossed back into his childhood, and we get to listen to all of every single one of his anti-Black experiences that he's had to deal with since childhood. And I literally wrote down in my notes while I was reading this uh, that I'm nearly halfway done with the violent conspiracy and we haven't even gotten to the conspiracy part yet. I just really thought that they were going to actually, you know, it was going to be more about the conspiracy and not just about his upbringing with racist experiences and all of that. And I'm not saying it's bad to talk about racism, but like, ugh. the way they marketed the book, like, you wouldn't think that the book was going to be about this guy's racist experiences. And it's just like, no. But 
I hate to be that person because it seemed like the ratings on the book were pretty good. They were really good on Goodreads whenever I was looking at it. And sometimes whenever I look at Goodreads and I see the ratings, I get a bit peer pressured to try and like the book. I'll try to think more about the book and like become all introspective and look for deep meanings and messages. But this book, it just did not live up to my expectations. For some reason, all of the suspense books that I've read have been so disappointing this year. And they've just been so mid. I mean, it, this book, The Violent Conspiracy, it wasn't a bad book, but it wasn't particularly great either. It was just okay. The next book I have is Fat Chance, Charlie Vega by Crystal Maldonado. For this book, we've got fat and Hispanic representation coming through. And this book is just about the main character, Charlie, as she tries to deal with her messed up relationship between her and her mother because her mother's a bit fat phobic, you know. And she also feels as though she always comes in second place to her friend Emilia. And she honestly just feels this way until she meets this boy Brian who makes her feel love and feel seen and all of that. The thing I liked about the book was seeing her struggle with fat acceptance. Well, not the struggle. That sounds bad. But I liked seeing her struggle with fat acceptance and how it mentioned that even though she's all body positivity on the outside and towards other people, you know, outwardly talking about love yourself, love your body, hashtag, um, all bodies are beautiful, all of that. She doesn't necessarily feel that way about herself. And I think that's something that a lot of other people can relate to. Like just because someone's a positive person on the outside and you see them here saying a bunch of stuff, that doesn't mean that they actually feel that way about themselves. Or a lot of people will give other people compliments, but then they'll be really harsh to themselves. And it's just like sad. But I guess that's the reality, honestly, for me too. Well, not the fat phobia part because I'm not really plus size or anything like that. But I guess for other insecurities or aspects or elements of me that could apply to or I could relate to that on that level. And I know this isn't fair to her, but Charlie was just like, she was just sometimes so insecure that it was actually annoying to me. To the point, like, her insecurity was just messing up her friendship with Amelia. And I got so annoyed with that. And I was like, girl, you need to get it together instead of trying to blame things on your friends and literally messing up your relationship with everyone. And also, she kept calling her friend Amelia a privileged skinny person. And on one hand, like, I guess I understood, like, her friend doesn't have to deal with fat phobia. But then also at the same time, her friend is literally black. And she, at some points, Charlie was making it seem as though her friend just had no struggles because she was skinny. And that, like, all the boys liked her because she was skinny. But I think we have to take into account that a lot of boys will, and people dislike someone because they're black. And she was like, oh, you get all the boys because you're skinny. Like, girl, you know good and well. That's not true. I don't know. But I liked the book overall, and I liked how there was that theme of learning to not to compare yourself to others and learning like you don't have to find your worth in others because at the end of the day, you're 
only going to have yourself and you have to get comfortable with being yourself and who you are as a person and you have to live with that. So yeah, this next book is just a collection of stories from different young adult authors. It's called Our Stories, Our Voices by Amy Reed. And it's 21 different stories from women of different backgrounds about growing up in America and their experiences with racism, misogyny, being an immigrant, and stuff like that. I really liked how it just took in a bunch of different diverse perspectives, and I got to hear about all of that. And also, they actually gave us a warning within the book, which I really appreciate because some books don't give you a warning for that sort of stuff. But, um... Yeah, the book told us that it features like sexual assault in some of the stories or disturbing scenes. So yeah, some books, they don't tell you that like, and you look at the cover, you'll be like, oh, this book's, book looks like it's going to be all sunshine, butterflies and rainbows. And then suddenly someone's got a knife to their throat and they're committing suicide or something. And you're like, whoa, what happened? So yeah, I guess I appreciated that. I also liked how it had this overall theme of women's empowerment, but not in a cheesy girl boss, you know, peg the patriarchy sort of way, but in an actual genuine, I like this sort of way, if that makes sense. Not gonna lie, I thought this book would be boring since it was real slash a nonfiction book. I think that's what nonfiction means. I thought this book was going to be just boring and plain since it was nonfiction and a lot of the time... I don't really find nonfiction books interesting or attention grabbing, but I actually really liked it. And I think the thing that helped me like it was the fact that it was in just these, sh um, it was in short chapters kind of broken up of the different stories from the these different young adult authors. So that's probably what helped me read it faster and kept my attention on it. But yeah, I really did find it a great, find it to be an enjoyable book. The next book is Meet Cute Diary by Emery Lee. So let's get into the synopsis. Noah Ramirez is a hopeless romantic and a sucker for all the classic romance tropes. After coming out and temporarily moving to Denver with his brother, Noah is ready to spend summer surfing the internet and updating his secret blog. Meet Cute Diary, his blog, features storybook perfect submissions of meet cute love, love encounters between trans people. There's only one slight problem. It's all fictional. And now one overly invested internet user is exposing the falsities of his blog. However, Noah meets Drew, who offers to pretend to fake date him in order to help keep up the stories on the blog. Now he's living his very own real-life classic romance novel trope. All that's left is for them to actually fall in love. What could go wrong? So yeah, that's basically the synopsis of the book. I think this book came out in 2021, maybe. I don't know. I could be wrong. And my thoughts on the book. I like how his family was super supportive of him and there weren't any really super extreme instances of a transphobia. It wasn't really about like transphobia or anything like that. It was more about, I think, relationships and his 
the relate how relationships influence his trans identity I think and it also showed like toxic and controlling relationships as well and as for the trans representation with the main character obviously Noah his experience as um, a trans boy and a blogger that isn't necessarily relatable to me at all, but you know, it still felt relatable and realistic because I liked the, I guess I liked the way the author spoke, the author or the narrator or the way it was written was kind of casual. And it also featured in between the chapters, it would feature entries from the meet cute diary. Although not gonna lie I did not know what a meet cute was before this book like I've never heard of meet cute before in my life it could actually just be something that this book made up I don't know or maybe it's just some Wattpad thing because I never even read Wattpad maybe it came from there and there's also um the well Noah himself he was multiracial and there's also a character that used neo pronouns which is pretty cool because I've never actually seen read a book with a character that uses neo pronouns before and I've barely even read any books with characters that use they them pronouns so that was pretty nice to see I don't know why people always get mad over neo pronouns like just chill it isn't even that big a deal honestly but something that I did not understand is the fact that Noah with his blog I don't understand why he didn't just take submissions of stories from like a bunch of his followers like why didn't he just take their love story submissions in the first place instead of tr just making them up and now he's like getting exposed for being fake and being a fraud like he doesn't make sense to me I don't know another thing that kind of confused me was the fact that the author used the words mask and femme to describe groups of people but I don't know I assume it was to be more inclusive like an alternative to saying men and women however like I feel like that just creates another binary I'm not really sure or that much educated on this topic but I definitely would like to be because I've noticed that some people within like I guess progressive or inclusive inclusive spaces will use femme to refer to people that present in a feminine way but may not necessarily be a woman or like I don't know and I really don't get the point of doing that but I guess like because if you think about it doesn't in French the word femme literally does mean woman and then in English I know that well at least here in America I know that femme has been used to describe feminine lesbians so I'm like wait how many definitions of this word are there I don't know because there are always new definitions and words are always changing. So that could be possibly why. I would definitely have to look into that. I should have just looked that up whenever I was reading the book. But I like this book overall and how it dealt with toxic relationships. And it also talked about figuring out your identity and how that isn't always linear or an easy thing for people. And you don't have to feel like you're lying or that you're fake or like a fraud if you come out as one thing but then later realize that you're another one because it's kind of a journey 
or at least that's how I interpreted the message of the book. And also, I actually have a quote from this book that I liked. It said, in a way, the diary is the most intimate exploration of myself, the kind that's only meant to be shared with 10,000 strangers who will never know me in real life. And I think that part is kind of relatable. Well, relatable on a much, much smaller level for me because of the fact that I'm over here oversharing on my podcast, talking about random things to people that don't even know me, but I wouldn't even talk to people like that in real life, you know? (laughs) The next book I have is Let's Talk About Love. This book, Let's Talk About Love, wait, I didn't even write who the author was. Okay, you can probably look it up and you'll find the author. Let's Talk About Love is about Alice. Alice is a college-age girl that's in love with all things adorable and delicious. Her girlfriend breaks up with her, but she knew this was eventually going to happen. It happens sooner or later with all her partners. It happens... I just dropped a pencil. Sorry, I really need to stay quiet because I keep making so much noise whenever I record. I'm like such an irresponsible person for recording. That's actually embarrassing how much background noise you guys are probably going to hear. Okay, back to what I was saying. Because she's asexual, a word which she can't even say aloud to herself. Alice is convinced that all her romantic endeavors are doomed to end this way and that she'll spend her entire life third-wheeling her friends Feeny and Ryan until she meets Takumi library hottie and amateur chef they soon bond over witty remarks and meals shared this story shows alice as she comes to terms with her sexuality and learns that love comes in many different forms so for my thoughts on this book i've never read a book with asexual and asexual character though interesting to see more of that perspective like i knew what asexuality was but i didn't really know that much about it you know so that's interesting and I liked the way they described the author described it and the two main characters the love interest and then also Alice they were both people of color Alice was a black girl like me another thing is that like I guess this is a criticism not necessarily a criticism but just something that I thought about is the fact that Well, I'm not saying it's necessarily bad for a college-age student to act childish. But I feel like some of Alice's traits would have been better suited for her if she was actually a high school character. For example, she had this thing called the cutie code, which she just uses to categorize literally everything and everybody. Like, she'll see a cute girl or a cute boy and... she uses her little cutie code or the beautiful sunsets or cute puppies and she's like oh this is a scale of red or green on the cutie code and then also the fact that she had a really nagging and overbearing mother and a bossy older sister and really her immaturity in dealing with the struggles within her friendship she really had some troubles communicating that between her friends communicating how she felt about her friend and all of that and just some aspects of her personality in general to be honest but I want to reiterate that I'm not trying to say it's bad like if an adult likes all of those things 
But I guess the reason I just thought that was different for me is because I've never, I haven't really read that many books with characters in college. So whenever I read this, I was like, wait, I don't know. Maybe I just assumed that since she was in college, she would act like super mature. But if you think about it, it's not like whenever you go to college, you have to just instantly become like all serious and you have to lose all happiness and joy. So I guess that's another perspective on it. Also, there were a few jumps or skips in some scenes that I wish they'd included. The following isn't really a, a spoiler, but it is something that occurred. So apparently Takumi made Alice face her fear of paragliding, but rather than actually showing that scene in the book, they just referred back to it. And I was like, what? Because I would have loved to see uh, Alice freaking out and like having to go paragliding and seeing all of that. I think that would have been a really funny scene and cute and all of that, but they didn't include that. So I don't know why. But cooking as a love language, I love that whenever I get married, if not whenever, but if I get married, I need to marry someone that can cook because I like to cook too. Uh, am I the best at it? No, but is it fun whenever it turns out well and you have people saying that they like it? Yes. Even though the book was a bit slow, I liked it and I thought it was a really cute book. That is the final book that I will be talking about. If you have any book recommendations, let me know by DMing me on Instagram at mindelixir.podcast. Don't forget to stay tuned for the challenge that I'm going to be doing on my Instagram. And of course, check me out on Goodreads, which will be linked down below in the description of the episode. And just, you know, friend me on that so I can follow you back. But thank you so much for being present and taking the time out of your day to listen to me. Hopefully you've been inspired to read or at least you have an idea of some books to read. You can comment down below if you're on YouTube, some book ideas, or if you're on Spotify, answer the poll or question. I don't know. I'll just say something. I don't even have an idea for what it is yet. If you enjoy this episode, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And yeah, make sure to follow me, do everything like I just said. And have a lovely rest of the day. I'll see you next time. Bye.